0: I was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. I mean, I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RTE sport podcast that explores how elite athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. Now I'm delighted to say that my guest this week is one of Ireland's most talented sports people, an international rugby, basketball and soccer player, and also an All-Ireland football winner with Dublin. Lindsay peach' you're so very welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me no worries thanks for coming on so look you're one of these people that has done it all really um, and is still going so like we're obviously out of COVID now well almost out of it what are you up to training wise and sports wise Uh, well
1: just for I just uh, got a bit of a bike session in so a bit of an anaerobic session so I think this is week four start of week four for pre-season so it's pretty heavy Um, I'm kind of off feet at the minute just to manage my load trying to managing a previous injury that hit just around Six Nations. So, um, at the minute, kind of four on feet for everyone and three gym sessions. So, it's quite intense now the minute before we head into camp, please not
0: It really is, Lindsay. Do you ever take any down, downtime, like take a chunk of time off injury aside, just say, right, I'm going to gonna take a break from years and years of training all year round? You
1: know what? That's probably... No. <laughs> the actually, that's a lie. I, this year... Uh, we got six weeks off after the Six Nations, and I enjoyed every minute of it, and I actually was flawed. I'd say it was like an archelectic for about two weeks post Six Nations, because we'd been kind of going for a year. I had broke my leg against England in February, and I had the up on that. I was off for six weeks, COVID hit. I was kind of in a bike, you know, on a bike in that... Um, All the track thing, you know, I had my own push bike, um, makeshift walk bike at home. And then I was kind of got a few weights off the IRFU, thankfully, to keep me going. And yeah, just trying to get back on the pitch, which I did, thankfully, in October against Italy, which was our final round in 2020 campaign. And then we were building kind of what was meant to be work with qualifiers in December 2020. Then they were postponed. Then we were building for January 21 for Six Nations. They were postponed. Qualifiers again in March postponed and then eventually we got a um, finally confirmation that we we're going to have a kind of uh, redefined championship with just three matches and two pools just, just to get in um, some games and with COVID still being rampant and, and impacting so many nations so we're kind of over a year really intensely training kind of peaking and plateauing and peaking again and getting ready for competition so to be honest, I was exhausted. I mean, to the six weeks, and it's probably the first time in a long time where I wasn't so intense that I like, had to train, and I like, felt I was going to lose anything. I actually just was Uh And I think a lot of the girls were, you know, it was great to get back to the pitch. It was great moments. So we were very privileged to keep training. Um, when the country was basically in turmoil and lockdown, but um, just as regards kind of, the recovery I took every minute of the six weeks. So I kind of just cycled over to mom and Dad's, so it's about twelve K over from my house and twelve K back. Uh cycled over to sandy I had a swim. Kind of made it enjoyable and you know functional. But I got on my bike, did very little weights and I kinda of enjoy just catching up with, with my wife and so and my family and my nephews and just people I hadn't seen really, you know, with training and then lockdown as well, you know. So it's nice.
0: I know that, like obviously through it all, you were staying really positive, you know, despite the upheaval that was. Okay, it was affecting everyone, but when it's really affecting people who are trying to get ready for a game and the goalposts keep shifting. But how difficult was it, Lindsay, with all those cancellations and postponements?
1: It was really hard, um, but I think the hardest was when they cancelled the World Cup and put it back a year. I think that really floored me, especially because kind of on borrowed time and the body especially in the age and yes there's still the competitiveness but um outside of that i still have a family i have responsibility to i still have a career i should be focusing on and it's not my focus is always back on the next goal and the next match and the next challenge and and that's really hard and that's been the overshadow of my life you know the last 25 years um so that really floored me. I can't lie. I really probably still haven't kind of got over that and the fact that we're not qualified for book yet. Um, so it's starting to come back, you know, but I won't really be able to fully trust it until I can see these are exact dates for our qualifiers in September or whenever they're going to be. I think this really nice September. Please God, but um, until I, I see specific dates and fixtures and, and location. Um, I'm kind of a bit keeping everything at a distance. Now I'm training this hard, don't get me wrong. It's not nice like being off feet. It's You're still training for something. But um, yeah, I can't lie. I think I was barely going off to the it.
0: You say you're on borrowed time, but like you're obviously still playing at the very top level that you can. And you have goals, because I've just heard them, and you're looking at World Cup qualifiers, and that means World Cup. Do you think you're ever going to be able to give up, Lindsay?
1: Yes, you, you know, I don't want to be this athlete that's, you know, kind of hanging around and, and not being able to compete. You know, I kind of, I still am, I am disappointed if I'm honest with you Marie, about the, the Six Nations. I didn't feel I was involved as I have been before. Like looking at stats, say from the Wales and Scotland game of like the 2020 campaign, like 17 carries, 19 carries. You know, you're very involved in a game line. Uh, even the issue game in October uh, 2020, I, I felt like a really good game. I was involved in an awful lot, got a try. Um, and I was buzzing. And this campaign, I don't know whether it's kind of a little bit overtrained, going into it, or um, a bit overcharged. I'm not sure it was to with a knee. But yeah, I don't want to be. I, you see, I'm so competitive, I don't want to be second best, like I don't want to be on a bench with an impact score, I want to be number one, number one, like, that's what I want to be, and, you know, I'm looking over your questions and I'm going over all the moments of sport that really inspired me and it's those moments even I got to relive through my career that. As a kid, I was practicing with my dad. It's like he used to, you know, play pigeon shooting. It was this tiny trophy, and he used to be at the top stairs kissing it like I was on an all podium. And I got that memory, but I don't want to. Everyone has, you know. Cj Sanders said that we you know as an athlete that it's time to go. And my goal now is just the qualifiers, and I don't see anything past that right now. You know, I still hopefully. Would like to still play club and provincially uh, but internationally it's so much commitment and as i said i have so much to juggle outside of that i can't always think i want to be to be number one and that frustrates me and there's no easy answer to that so yeah right now the body is slow and i've got control over that either and i want to be training as hard as everyone else so it's a conundrum, it's a conundrum and it's one that i'm struggling with and i'm probably Definitely a lot more realistic and closer to where I am. But yeah, then there's still other levels that, you know, as I said, I can go back to club and start baiting the head off someone, trying to be with that. You know, I, I'm not going to change my personality. As I said to you before we come on, I was like playing duck duck goose with a group of 12 kids and, you know, and I'm like, he's testing me to see if I'm picking up on a chase in the full belt. and um, before he got to thing. Like, I'm content at times, so I'm so competitive and I still have that, but as I said, I, I just always want to be number one, number one, no matter what we're doing in the gym, no matter who is competition, yeah. with me, that's where I thought.
0: Do you think you'll need some help, as in some psychological help when the time comes? Because <laughs> people say athletes die twice, they die when they stop playing their sport, and then they die when they die. Yeah, and I, I've, I've
1: reached out probably in the last 12 months, um, actually, and, um, and kind of, you know, getting some advice and counselling around just because for me what animal is on the pitch doesn't always you know I have that strength and resilience and all these amazing qualities that I've read through and sometimes I haven't utilised them and actually your podcast with Paul Flynn when he said Pat Gilroy you know he loved that they he's able to bring that competitive and that drive and that goal into his career um, as the, you know, part of that as well. And that's one thing, probably a, a regret of mine is that I didn't struggle with too much focus on sport. And I kind of, you know, the job paid the wages. But, you know, did I, I I went back and I did PE and I have a degree just like often And, you know, he went on and he did, he's done great things in the GPA. And whereas, you know, I've just settled for, I suppose, not the easy way, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, there's other factors, but yeah, probably, you know, like I stuck in with a job that I was able to facilitate training and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, you know, if I've any, I think, um, you know, there's a, a great book by, um, I don't know how to go back to that, but like, it is a big thing. It is a big thing for me. And even my sister, when I said it, she was like, oh, thank God, because I think it, and, you know, sport ended, but I don't think my love affair with sport will ever end. It'll just shift. You know, um, the roles will shift, and um
0: yeah. that's, that's really so right. you, Would you do coaching? Do you think or do you see you on the sideline in an AIL final or in uh some sort of AIL final, something like that? I think I will down the line,
1: but like the thing about it is, like I'm older now, you know, I just think, you know, I've been so involved in sport from a playing side. I don't want to make the wrong decision and just focus in. And I think I need to be ready as well. I need to be fully. I suppose that's another thing I took from Paul's podcast. that um, You have to be so at ease with yourself and so accepting of yourself. And when I'm ready to accept that I'm no longer a player and that now my strengths have to not rely in guiding other players like Coach has done for me. Then I'll be ready, but I think I need a lot of um, uh, increased emotional intelligence. Because uh, the way suits all, and it doesn't. I'm quite unique in that. Kind of, uh, I'll prove you wrong, kind of thing. That's where I thrive best. But I think a lot of that needs a lot of TLC, or they need to little. But you know, they need the margins moved, and I'm not ready for that. I need a lot of upskilling um, in a lot of areas. But definitely down the line, it's something I want to do. But um. Not
0: right now. Don't you? Yeah, I can imagine actually. That's the thing I can picture you. So we're going to get through our questions now, Lindsay. What is your earliest memory of sport?
1: Oh, it's funny. Um, how, I often get asked how I got into sport, and it really was my mom. Right on a defining moment where she sent me to basketball. But kind of, um, there are like. Bleaching memories of my time at uh, ABFC. I don't know if you know that club through your boys' soccer. So our team uh well, family recreation club. So this was like our community centre and the, the club was derived from that. And, um, our club colours were Barcelona, so it was that old blue and blue and I loved it. Uh, but I remember a mammy, a, a girl i went to school with, Kay Woods, she took this team, all girls, we played in Rockfield Park. I remember setting up the goals and I remember losing every match. <laughs> one particular match, it was a shitty night in these summer nights of hitting rain. It was a really slippery surface and we won 1-0. I remember getting on my bike, saturated, and we Barcelona made shift kit and down to and I don't know why Kay was at bingo and she wasn't after the match, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we won after one losing every single match of that season um and that's probably one of my memories that I don't give credit to and I know another guy Willie Doyle he was another um he had that fabulous Jerry Ryan kind of mullet with, you know the brush back and get a cool tash and Willie was definitely much more a soccer man um, and that's where Kay was unique because none of the mummies, it always would have been daddy's tables you know just ramped in because she wanted to just get the girls involved um, and though she had no train and I know her husband was very involved she just got out there and got the community together so um, that was another memory but really I remember obviously I'd taken a stretch I remember typically Dublin I don't know whether you have um, experienced this in your time up here, but with your kids but um, to me at the time she probably wasn't even a granny but I remember this granny going uh, she's too big to be playing where's her birds, sir?" and I was like oh yeah I'm only 12 you know you're playing <laughs> And those were bigger and more physical, and kind of I played with maybe my little cousins was another last memory. My little cousins, um, my dad's sister's husband played kind of up just on the League of Ireland level. He used to play rugby with St. Mary's, so his boys were very in sport, always United sports, which I hate. So I'm a Liverpool fan, and we'd be playing at their back garden. And so I had that kind of. Um, not only interesting sport, but I wouldn't mind getting stuck in the boys. When i go to the girls, there's people that, like, some of them very good kick a ball, or there was no kind of putting your foot in the ball, and like, kind of looking at their past, it was kind of swelling. So, um, I remember, like, kind of shouting back, going, mean, I'm 13, I can't get me first, so, you know, this typically Dublin in, I'm kind of, we're, we're not, a bit of skit and a bit of mountiness. but they're kind of the early memories, Um and as I said, it was, Barcelona was huge at the time and I was probably only maybe nine, so you're looking at 1989, 1990, so they were still huge and huge in Europe and that's, they had that strike kit and I just remember thinking, you know, in my head I played for Barcelona, you know, that's where you always want to play, so um, they are kind of my earliest friends.
0: Were you always good at sports? Like, did, did you know you were good at sports?
1: I kind of, the only thing I could say I knew is that like you had this label of being a girl and I was good for a girl. Do you know what I mean? And um, I was allowed to play with the boys because I was, I added to their game, you know, I didn't have to slow the game for me or they had to move the margins or make any particular rules to me. So, you know, I remember playing seven up. I don't know if you played that, you know, you play keep with So, somebody, somebody keep you up and somebody. we were like shooting the goalie and we play curds and we play squares. So, like, these are games I'd love the kids to play now because don't play enough when it'd be a formulation in your timing. And like, that's where I picked up any skills that I had because we were just naturally playing outside. And then when we moved, like, there's only two lads I grew up with, you know, so I had no choice but to play. And the lads were in soccer, and it was a little green in front of us and had the trees, and we'd make the dog. They didn't take any prisoners either. So I made sure I didn't take any prisoners. And that's kind of where that, like, I didn't want them to treat me like a girl. I didn't want extra rules. I didn't want any special treatment. I was like, you know, kind of wanted to give them two fingers. I was trying to say, you know, like, just just judge me on what I can do and play. I want to be better. I want to be as good as you. And so actually, I want to be better than you. you know. And I've gone to basketball and outside that recreation and across my that the house we lived in which my parents are there now like we to be 20 odd people of some of the greatest waters that show up every day and someone would like nine in the morning to nine at night and I don't the toilet, wash my hands, eat and that was it Like and like I don't know if you know like Sharon Kelly um she's who else was up there like lots of kids we grew up with that ended up being like really great national league players, you know, Lane Scally, Demise Scally, the first sister of the states. Like they all played on these courts, like that's where we grew streetball, and they all ended up to be like really great impacts in my life and great leaders in, in the national league in the great, you know, eighties, nineties, 2000s of Irish basketball. You know, so it's a fabulous story, and I'd love one day to write a book about it all, just myself, the memoirs of a sports addict, you know, because. <laughs> Um, it's lovely to to see the connection and, and how the, the journey evolves for everybody, and how you reconnect it. You know later on.
0: It also shows the importance of the environment as well, like where you were, who you're surrounded by, actually having people to play with for those hours as well.
1: 100%. And I'm always first to acknowledge. You know, we talk about this cliche about community. but my community, you know, my mom and dad were extremely involved. I had a great upbringing. They were very involved in that side of things but from a sporting side you know my, my community raised me in my community were heavily involved and impacted and like I remember Hugh Goodwright you know National League coach for top rowers for many years Irish coach Dublin coach he came up to the courts one day and obviously had a rumour and he was like would be interesting going for Dublin trials and I was like okay um, and it was and we went and I got to play like the interre like the regionals, um, which was like kind of Dublin, cork North West, Northeast, like it was great. And um and yeah, all those like I could name so many that would have went on, like Paddy Kelly, Paddy Kelly went on and he went to one of the camps, one of the only Irish players I think to be awarded this kind of scholarship to a night camp with all these kids from around the US. Um Paddy had probably killed me. I should have that story better, but I know it was and Paddy Kelly got to go to this camp because it, just no Irish player would have gone and yeah. that was the other thing you know the rival court up in our town used to go down to the Gloucester courts in Gloucester in boys school and used to play a game of pickups down there and there would be huge rivalry but we all came together and we played for the clubs, but you know mm-hmm. it the basketball community and um, you know huge rivalries don't exist anymore because Janet got schools secondary school is gone they would have that was Ken Black against Mark England like all these rivalries Um, but they're all history and I would have been privileged to grow up with all these players that were heavily involved and as I said heavily impacted my journey to to basketball and and onto where I am now Sounds like
0: a great great environment to grow up in and and then in terms of your heroes Lindsay who were your like who who what posters did you have on the wall who were your heroes? You know what
1: it's really funny because um, I'm a Liverpool fan I know your house are Liverpool fans so I grew up with the kind of group brothers the Steve McMenemans, the Robbie Fowlers, you know, the Michael Owens. And I had no problem with them being my hero. like I used to look Match the Day every Saturday. Used to always be the epic book. My my uh, my mom's dad was kind of really into sport, um fabulous man. Um and I used to emulate all those things, like probably one of my big sporting heroes were kind of the Irish guys like Patty Bonner. Like I remember the nineteen ninety when he saved like that. Particular green I just described where we were playing soccer, like our member at the place was dead. It was actually like the only time I resembled lockdown. The play, there was no one on the streets, everyone was being watching Ireland against Romanian this, you know, um, locked lockdown stage before the quarters. And um when well, firstly when Packy Bonnie you could hear the roars, but then when David O'Leary scores, everyone came out of their house and all just from <laughs> each other and we were like celebrating in the middle of this green. It was unbelievable. Um, being in my uncle's house when Ray Houghton scored 1-0 against um, in USA 94 and Ray Houghton scored if I'm not mistaken against Italy like I sobbed I sobbed the house was bananas and I sobbed with joy when he scored because these were the moments and these were the guys I wanted to emulate and those feelings of scoring that winning goal to to beat England, to beat the Italy, to beat the teams that Ireland France, you to beat. And it was lovely being the underdog. And I think that was the mantra I've survived by that. That kind of, i proved prove you wrong. And as Ireland, as a nation, we proved so many doubters wrong all the time. I was to pick one as well, kind of chatting about my granddad. He used to mind us every summer, but my mum went back to work. And he used to love Wimbledon. So I never was really into tennis, but because, you know, I respect, we'd, you know, turn on the tennis ground now, we'd turn on the tennis, he'd say, very quiet man. And um, we used to, you know, be commentating on it, but, you know, we'd watch the men's singles, the women's singles. And I just remember Martina Navratilova was big at that time, again, around the 1990s. And um, I think that was her ninth singles title in a row, her competitiveness. Again, she had the kind of mullet and the cool you know, glasses, and, she just wasn't afraid to be ruthless or be herself. And Steffi Graf has from on the time. It, snippets of just these, again, moments of her being so emotional, winning and overcoming the doubters and, you know, just setting any, you know, doubts and setting new boundaries and, and being kind of milestones for others to achieve. And, um, my second name is actually Lindsay Martinez, who's get slagged about that as well. Just the moments where as I said I, I kind of really love all sports and it's, as I said it inspires you. and I think she was definitely, I know Sonia I definitely would have seen Sonia in the Olympics um, but the Olympics obviously only rolled around every four years but Wimbledon was on every summer and um, definitely that was one thing I used to watch in the ground I used to love it. And she was definitely a standout for me and I think as I said she was kind of a female athlete she wasn't afraid to be in herself be herself in a time that was still probably, if we're honest, dominated by male main athletes and those achievements and, and I think said for me, she certainly stands out in some
0: I know the landscape is so different now to what it was when we were growing up, but were there pathways, Lindsay? Like, could you see, like, you're obviously really talented, um, you're young, could you see any pathways for you to have any sort of professional career in sport back then?
1: Um, I suppose, I suppose really if I'm honest I never thought about the pathway but I had the dreams mm-hmm. you know, so I said you I was at the top of the stairs like honestly like, kissing, <laughs> like emulating you know as said, you know those footballers that I would have seen the Martina de Brando win single championship um, Dublin winning All-Irelands you know being out around driving around Northbound to Dublin listening to Dublin on the radio when we beat them um, in 95 uh I'm right with that I think um, we weren't allowed, you know we were out driving and you know my mom and dad weren't really into all arts, now don't get me wrong, we into the dogs and don't plans. up now, so we listen to bits and pieces but would we stay at home to specifically watch Northern Ireland no so I'm like turn on the radio turn it up there and we're listening you know and um. so I had the dreams but did I, ha- I was probably naive to be honest with me and I never thought of anything would really stand in my way. But did I really look at realistic pathways? No, I kind of just went day to day about my business and just enjoyed sport for what it was at the time. But it kind of, that hindered me as well, I suppose, because I was a bit mad at times where I could have maybe looked. Still to this day, I don't know whether I'd be good enough to go on a scholarship, but I often wonder would I have, if I had a focus if I had a really looked at it. Would I have been good enough to go on a scholarship to the States? Mm. I'm not sure if I'm honest. Um, I think I was a late bloomer. I think I wasn't ready. I'm not sure Mark England would agree with me. He would have said I wasn't ready. He couldn't have sent video for me. Um, I remember a trial. Denise Walsh was absolutely unbelievable, point guard from uh, Castle Island and Kerry. She was Jared Turn, was the coach at the time. I had a really good trial against her on the Saturday in the National Asphalt Arena. But um, the teenager that I was at the time went out to probably just on the Saturday night and didn't come in to put a form on the Sunday when we played the Irish team in the scrimmage. And I couldn't even get the ball up the half the line. And Mark saw so just pointing to me and so, said, "What were you thinking?" And, you know, I got very few opportunities to show what I could do during underage. Um, not because I don't think I took it seriously. I'm, I'm not sure I. Knew what was needed to show what I could do at that time, and yeah, that was disappointing. It was disappointing, and I'm glad I stuck with it and hopefully proved a lot of doubters from And finally, when I got my opportunity with Mae to to get in an Ireland jersey, orange basketball jersey, I'm so grateful. It meant so much, and all that i have been through was worth it. I still didn't think I was worthy. I didn't know what I could bring to her. I made a promise to myself that I'd never let her down on the work ethic anymore and that was the promise I made to myself but all the demons in my head saying you're not good enough for this there was one voice saying oh, what can you do for it? what's made like she's very much into a fitness and a work ethic and I hope that I'm truthful in saying that I was very open to the older players and, and looking for their guidance and Taking the on board and, and worked hard to, to get better. And then I've got my next goal on co captain with Michelle Fahim and then scoring 27 points against Iceland. And they're never my wildest dreams, so I think. So I had dreams. I didn't really look at things or have a set pathway. And I, my journey just has brought me here. Thank you. And that's where I kind of look at sport as my well, traveling companion for. 25 years and we've gone on such a journey of up and down. And I've met fabulous people of, and I'm so grateful.
0: Why do you think that voice was in your head, telling you your own goodness? Because
1: I've failed so many times. I've made a mess and so many times. Um, and I suppose sometimes I, I would be guilty of just taking it day by day and not planning. Same way as I've talked about my career. So it's like, oh, you get a job, you, you get money and it pay for different things. But you know, I didn't kind of sit down and oh, I always wanted to be a PE teacher, but for different reasons, I wanted to bring what I got from sport. It's kind of different. Um, and as I said, it, it took me away from that, you know, rugby having a family, getting married and, as I said, sticking to what I knew and what suited. And yeah, I just think I didn't really plan enough. And I probably, if I'm honest, like, you're, you're so complimentary saying I'm talented. I, I don't really think I'm talented. I think I kind of fell in enough with the people I was in and the people who guided me and people who believed in me and I worked hard to try and be part of that. But like I played like, with some amazing these things. There is Suzanne board. Michelle James, like Susan Moore, and Susan Warren. The list is endless the basketball level, Michelle Askell. Um I could mention so many more. Um, Football. You look at Sinead Hearn, Siobhan McGrath, who's just got played a maximum. Most recently, double against Cork, against Breech Stack, Bridge Cork, Angela Walsh. Like the list is endless for the players, and that's let alone some of the world-class players who've played against. But you in the World Cup. so um, I never probably thought I was that talented. I just love sport. I love the challenge. I love the goals, and I love the people, and I love winning, and I love winning with the people that meant most to me. Like I never. Want to play, you know, they spoke about my community. Like, we were now called DC Mercy, but we were always Mercy Filler, you know, and our town always stood up. It's one of the same areas that's where my mom is from. My dad's from with you're not know, far from there. And uh, it's it's my area, Parnell's in my area. And everything I've learned are the values of that community and the people around me supporting me. And it's deep in great history, you know, that I remind myself that's here. You know, so, I don't believe, I believe just the love of sport that I'm here and a lot of the values. You know, I, my mom and dad aren't sporty necessarily, but you know, they've given me great values of determination and commitment. And when you're in something, you're fully, um, I'm very loyal and I'm very trustworthy. I'm very hot headed and competitive, but I always have your back to grow my team. And you know, there, as I said, the values of my family and my community. And yeah, I'm very, very grateful.
0: Lindsay, there's no way that you could have achieved all that you have achieved and are still going to achieve more without having a heck of a lot of talent in so many sports. It's just not possible.
1: Um, well, I think if I'm right, Paul Carrington was talking about table tennis. He said, a <laughs> table tennis, clubs, and, you know, a player who was better than me, and I always thrived in, in like I always wanted to show on the grass, Mark, in in Dublin. Internal games, I always wanted to mark Louise Kid was another one. Um, because Siobhan was she's was an all star through and through, and I knew if you know if I could get the better of Siobhan McGrath, I was on to you know what I mean. And she pushed me and she'd never give in. And we clocked heads, and a lot of times we'd probably given out and burst to her and dragging me to her, and, you know, on referees. But that was two competitors going at one another. Um, same with Need McFoy senior, um, would have played with Dublin but same thing with she was left footed she was kind of more endurance runner I was kind of more sprinter so we'd always pair up because we wanted to she wanted to bring up her speed and I'd want to bring up my endurance yeah. and it just kind of I totally that totally resonated when her parents said that I was just, yeah that's one thing for me like Linda from Gang you know we're doing wrestling I want to be with Linda because she's one of the strongest you know or you're doing breakdown work you want junior or you know same way clean them alone. You like, you pick those players that are better than you because you want to, you want to raise your, you know, you're always trying to be better. So, um, same thing, I suppose, with working on the left foot. Like, I'd always try to work on my left foot and taking shots on my left. And, you know, I scored those two goals in 2014 with a ball with my left foot because, so many defenders were always like, take away right, or take right away they're so used to female players being right footed and yet to then have that set option. Um I thought gave me an added edge. That was where I was thinking, like you're always thinking, well, what's their strengths? Well, I want, that's actually my weakness, so I want to work on that and be the complete player. So I'm probably always trying to um, kind of stalk players really <laughs> and see what, what I could get out of them and what I could pick up. Um, not tell them, just kind of work myself, and that's where I'm frustrated now. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a parent now, and I'm the wife, and I'm, uh, you know, I've lots of other responsibility that I'm meant to be addressing. But I mean, if you me an opportunity, I'm better than going shooting and kicking the ball, and you know, um I actually before this is the epitome. I mean, before the. Italy came, I think there was a kickoff, off and I, the ball went through, it was coming me and I called it and it went through my hands, actually no, it bounced off my chest, which can be, that's why you kind of you're meant to turn to the side, so if it does bounce off the chest, you go backwards and there's no scrums or whatever. We had 10 minutes before the end to individuals and I said to Leah Lyons, I said, 10 balls, 10 balls and you put the most backspin you can put them on, with the snow, I want snow on them, because I said I'm getting 10 out of 10 catches here, I will never drop that ball again, Because I think the coach said then, Oh, we're going to switch players, and I was like, One beck and drop, one beck and drop. And he said, Yeah, actually, so 10 minutes in the gym, you couldn't have gone doing some setup or line out. I said, You know, you made it's the wrong time to tell me I was switched out. (laughs) And I was like, So I took every opportunity to spend 10 minutes catching my goals because I just was so annoyed and I didn't want to let anyone down and I didn't. Want to shirk that responsibility. I was raging. I'm still raging now. I'll
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, Lindsay, basketball was your main sport really when you are growing up, was it?
1: Yes, for 20 years and played a big part I suppose, in, in my evolution.
0: So, when you were developing as a basketballer, what did you have to work on most?
1: Oh, Mark was great with ball handling just because he was a point guard himself. So, we'd work on a lot of ball handling. A lot of coming off screens, uh, taking the shot on the move. Uh, one of my best shots was probably the baseline move. It was probably one of the hardest. I think, again, Paul Flynn alluded to that by is taking that sweet spot of the, the hardest shot. And you kind of, again, look at where players uh, have the lowest percentage shooting technique, free throws. You might shoot a couple of the free throws. Do um, you know, we do drills like tennis balls or throwing the ball up behind your back, clapping, you know, everything the speed or in between your legs like catching it without bouncing the ball. So all speed hand-eye coordination and that was on the daily every chance and he'd tell me to do that at home and I'd do it. There was never, I think, a period from the age of probably 12 to 28, 29, 30 where, I, you know, there's no basketball in my hand. Every opportunity I've to be a basketball in my hand. Um, And that's again, if there's any advice I'd give for parents like make it fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, challenge, but like just to have a ball in your hand, like I'd say, I could pick up a basketball now. I, I it wouldn't take me long to go back into the of things because that must have been used there for, for so long and growing up. And you know, even like those scissor kicks, putting the ball through your legs, like it's just all ball handling that I would have done. And, and again, bringing that move in, you know, uh, kind of hesitating go off uh, off the screen, pulling up, shooting or pulling up again to go again like we're doing all these moves and that's where the NBA I loved that like I loved uh, I don't like the Lakers but um, I'm in the area of like Muggsy Bogues and, and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and you know Dwayne Wade and, like all these amazing players and again you just want to emulate them you know you just want to emulate all their moves and you know this Euro step so I'm going to do Euro step and be like, oh right next week I'm going to come along and make sure I with you know, dazzle them all with my euro sets. So or a finger roll or like the lads used to be able to board tap, you know, like so taking a layup when if you know, actually we'd released the ball, you like slap the board and this was a big thing. And I jumped for about three weeks trying to hit this board and one day I got it with the tip on my name and then the next thing my fingers and and that's what brought me along, like was the lads and trying to emulate them. And it's not because they were boys, they were just so physically able. It was so easy and I was like nah. I'm going to do that i'm going to be able to do that and i'm going to dance you with minute so um yeah it's just i loved every minute and if i was to probably hang up the boots at any stage for OPI, i certainly would uh, head back to basketball i really miss it and um, i think it's one sport that's really suffered with COVID. and it was really probably in a really good period after the michael jordan documentary which my god it was a it was a walk back through memory lane like, i loved every minute of it like, um, and just like reliving my youth. you know all the Jordan gear that was available my structure now I'm like <laughs> I feel like anything I can get and um, you know it's just yeah it's probably it is my it'll always be one of my big ones because of everything I've been through with it and I just got such joy out of it and such happens?
0: So when did other sports start coming into play then?
1: Um, Gaelic came in actually um, a period of time where we were transitioning from Division 1 kind of uh, this Monday to Friday team you know you train hard on Wednesday playing on Friday and uh, you kind of still have a social life over the weekend but then we were kind of winning Division 1 pretty pretty handily and we wanted to go to National League and I had a lot of weight to lose, had a lot of fitness so the bad year prior to that Mark had been signed with the Manchester Giants so he went actually actually coaching them and that was probably my toughest year, which was really a defining time for me in, I suppose, in my sporting career. But um, when I lost all the weight, which was about five stone, in the end, I was so focused on never getting to that place again that. Um, five stone is a lot. Five stone is a lot. I'd lost three stone over the summer, and uh, when I came back to to kind of full training from September October three stone down there I think that another, I could have been nearly four actually, and by Christmas I think about the five stone up. Um really as embarrassing as it sounds, I was in Total Fitness gym, which was beside me. I had a membership I was there every day. doing one um a couple of the lads started in DC with nine Moina doing their sports signs. Uh, they were helping me. We did 150s and did fitness test with VO2 max test. They were able, to, were able to utilize all of the equipment in DC's lab. Um, I went and seen a nutritionist in the Bonser not Got a lot of education around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cycled as much as I could. And really when I was in the gym, yeah, my motivation was to say in my head, people, you know, kind of telling me that, you know, you're not going to be able to do this. You're never going to be able to do this. Though. You're never going to be able to finish this session. Um, and I'm trying to drive through the pain of that. And, yeah, I motivated myself in a very negative way, but motivated I was. Um, over the, and I remember the first year of basketball, first year National League, we had a couple of big signings. Suzanne have came, Rachel Kelly. Uh, we found kind of Americans for the first time. Uh, Tracy again. Actually, she was there, she would have actually been one of the last two picks for the New York Liberty, which was Susan Moran. Um, by chance we got her because the contract fell through in Spain. So like she was unbelievable to vision one to play with IOC. And yeah, it was the fittest I'd ever been. And like I think the second year in the National League I ended up being voted with uh, female third year for the National League. And yeah, it was that kind of year, that in-between year would uh, with Niamh, my boy senior said to me come up they with Cornelis keep it and I started in goal and then I moved out to the and sent half forward and then I got called up to John O'Leary's team but oh, by God these were teams to which kind of um had played in 2003 and 2004 All-Irelands against Galway and Mayo they'd lost John O'Leary took over I was like honestly I was like a baby fawn <laughs> On my feet, I've not solo. Obviously, I had good hands from basketball, I was athletic, but I had a terrible time. I just wasn't good enough. Um, and I pulled myself from the squad. And then about two years later, Jerry McGill called again. He kept ringing. He would not leave me alone. The phone eventually, he got me. He said, like, Just come to train session. I was like, I'm no use. I'm honestly no use. No to bring me to a trial. Um, and eventually, to be honest with I'd come just so you'd stop ringing me. But like I'll just tell you now, it won't be um, the moves and yeah, the rest is history. rest is history
0: So you obviously went on to win an All-Ireland Football Championship, which is amazing and not easy to do. Was there any stage where you thought, OK, I belong here. I'm, I'm good enough to be here. I, I I, can make it at the top. I can, I can be at the top.
1: Yeah, I, I was at a very different stage actually um, when I came into that setup in two thousand nine, and uh, I think I had missed the league uh, because it always clashed with basketball. And they were, Jerry was very accommodating for me, and the girls were very understanding um, that my commitment was to basketball, so I wouldn't be there for the league. But obviously, I would come straight in and, and give it tops for the for the championship, which was a long running. It was a long break at that stage anyway, from between league, um, and actually, some years I came in for I know in. I used to come back in really, as embarrassing to say, usually around the semi-final. Um, I remember playing mom in the semi-final, I think, in, was it 2009, 2010? Um, no, it must have been 2010. Maybe it was 2014. Anyway, it doesn't really matter what happened. No, I think She's been playing for in the league, one. Anyway, neither here nor there, but... Um, yeah, the girls were fabulously... Positive. It took a little while to get in, but I was very lucky to have Macra Senior and Aver Clowston there. Um our member Elaine Kelly, we used to call Redza Kelly. She I don't know if she's still involved with the backfield staff uh, uh, she's a psychologist. Uh you remember her comment, don't oh, she? big pause, don't you? And um <laughs> a comment and I do have big hands, so I was like broke the ice and I don't think they knew what to make of me quite competitive, quite hot headed. I remember showing someone uh, at training. And as they got to understand me more maybe what I could bring and my madness, I think they kind of really, you know, they very much were supportive and it was a very, very, very positive environment. I was going into Jim Kilton's kind of doing SSC there. and um, Jerry McGill had obviously a lot of experience so himself, a great backfield team and I think everyone had a buy-in. I remember losing 2009 and it was devastating. It really was. And probably more so for the girls that invested a lot more time. I was like, well, geez, I would have been one lucky ducker to, to come in my first year and win in All-Ireland. But we kind of came back. and I remember being in at the time when we were kind of, as you do, go out with your team and have a couple of drinks and drown your sorrows. and remember us all cheering to come on back in 2010 to win that Ireland, and that we did and that team invested and we had each other's back and there's so many you know we you know there's so many cliches and and these qualities branded surround what a place to pick a team I've, I've honestly been privileged with so many teams actually buy into the ethos that they believe in so the trust the companionship the like the um I suppose never stop competing. Uh your work ethic, you're you're pushing each other for the best. Like there wasn't a, a negative that someone was trying to be the bestie or you're not working hard, like we were called out. And it was that buy-in and that full commitment from those teams that really it really solidified us. And I suppose going through the loss of two thousand nine and making that commitment and fulfilling it, you know, twenty ten was a pleasure. Uh the bus was late by an hour, nobody lost their lives and we were so relaxed and that final. Nothing stood in our way. And it was one of the most enjoyable games in football and, and obviously the pinnacle and at the end, you know, and that was t- me watching Ty Cannelly um, come back in winning and win an all Ireland Kerry as the Irish dance. I remember Lee Macri seen sitting beside me watching that and said, like, when we win this, we're going to do the same. She didn't fulfil her promise, but I did.
0: <laughs> I, can, I can just imagine you as well, like just fulfilling those dreams, Lindsay, that you had when you were a kid, like on the steps with the trophy. It's amazing. As I said,
1: to you so many dreams of watching these sporting hero heroes, regarding the sport or the gender, just living these moments that we talk about with sports, and they inspired me. And I wanted to do that. Like I was only going to get one chance, and I did only get one chance to do that. I I lived it, and I'm sure there is faces in the background uh, looking in absolute horror at this, you know, number twelve getting up in this trophy on on you know on the table and. I didn't care, you know, I didn't care for that feeling because nobody knows what an athlete or what a team goes through to reach those moments. Like you said, it's, it's not easy to win an all Ireland. So many great teams have only won at once, it could be four years before you win again. You what know, so, like,
0: about setbacks then, Lindsay? What was the biggest setback you had in your career?
1: I think that, that year I alluded to that Mark went uh, to Manchester Giants and um we got Blair in, and Blair has since passed. Unfortunately, he was a great man, his wife Rebecca. Um, And I have so much to thank him for because, as far as he didn't know me, and I kind of went into it kind of huff. Mark knew how to pull my strings, and he knew when to push me, and he knew when to give me that arm around the shoulder, and he knew how to harness my madness. You know, I did, like I was fiery, you know, getting trapped. James from my shields, referees didn't really like me. Um, wasn't afraid to, you know, really be mouthy, and it wasn't. It wasn't becoming of someone who was meant to be an athlete or a leader. But there, there are moments we go through. There, you know, that is to find the final moments where i to thankfully uh, redefine people's opinion of me, thankfully, and. Blair sat me on the bench. You know, like this was a year where I was really overweight. I moved out home. I didn't play any. I used to play soccer in between that, and I was Celtic in between basketball years, so I kept fit. But this one particular summer, I didn't. Uh, I was really struggling. I finished school, put on a lot of weight. And Mark was there for those couple of years, but I hadn't lost that weight, you know. And Mark, Blair was not a professional Australian, he's more of a And he was really into fitness and he was into other players that worked hard. And I probably had a really different honest bad attitude when I sat on the bench last year. The more he didn't play me, the more I kind of got in my hooks and I didn't give him any reason to play me. Um, and that was a real setback. That was a real setback that whole year. And I've spoken about this moment a lot of times, even when I've given talks about being in Clararney. Sorry, you're playing Killarney in kind of the division one All Ireland final and I sat on the bench for most of the game might have got those seven minutes and uh, we were playing in the Marigold Green in UC and It's only newly done it was an absolute fabulous um, gym and Mark had come home Manchester Giants had followed which they'd gone into liquidation with money and he'd come home and he was on the bench as assistant coach with Blair. and the game was in the balance and Mark called the time out he called me over he suddenly in and he, he took the play board He said I am um, gonna." You're going to bring up the ball, he said. You're going to pass the wing. The opposite wing's going to back screen You're going to off that screen. You're going to take the ball. You're going to look the basket. You're going to take the three-pointer. You're going to score the three-pointer. You're going to win this game. And exactly as he wrote that on that whiteboard, It's exactly how that played. And that shot basically won us that, that title. And it was that one moment that reignited me to say, it's the gothsister. Like he still has some, what, that feeling. It wasn't a moment of scoring it was that feeling of belief and fulfilling that and I didn't want to let Mark down the one person who has brought me through all that journey and it was kind of two fingers to Blair in a very respectful way but it was also I had let him down like I hadn't given him any reason I hadn't done any of them shots I haven't, hadn't earned his trust as a coach I hadn't earned that relationship him with me nor me with him and for Mark to come along and instill that belief in me and put the all that responsibility on me for this team and this result and for it to go away and as I said it's one of those moments I can see myself outside looking at it on the telly in so many big sporting moments whether it be the NDA or whatever and the Ray Houghton goal against Italy or against England to win a one nil it's, it's those moments that help reignite that belief in yourself and and reignite that want and that's where it probably propelled me for the five stone that I had more to give you know I wanted and to give more and I wanted to achieve more. And that was my big setback. And it still is one example I bring up of probably you could find a defining moment of a very dark place with sport and it really reignited that happy place for me. And it's quite self, it's not about the shots, as I said to you, um, Mark pulling me for that big big moment and leaving me and reminding me um who I am and what I've done and what I was capable of doing.
0: Is he the person that had the biggest impact on your career, do you think, or is there other people?
1: There's so many. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he really is, as I said, like, he believed in me when I made all those mistakes and those bad errors and when I wasn't living up to underage basketball and I was giving glimpses, which really probably didn't fulfill. Like, people realise that, you know, you can be skillful, or you can have this huge investment in sport, but, to be an elite athlete, whether that's an underage international, there still comes a lot of responsibility with that in how you um obviously your application and your investment because it's a team thing, and that took me a long time to learn. It wasn't only about Lindsay Peay. it's about all the, it actually is more about the players around you because of what impact Lindsay have. had on. Them. Mm-hmm. Um, my behaviors and my behaviours and that I had the fireiness, the wanting to win and the blaming of others because we didn't win. It was so petulant and childlike you see with you know younger kids you know I wasn't really over that so I'm a lot of learning today when Mark stuck with me he stuck with me through it all and the other big person was made home and he gave me that chance um internationally and um, to, to fulfill that dream of playing basketball for I said, there's so many coaches I've um I've been, there's loads more who've had a huge impact but I said I have to give credit to my as a coach in front of other sort of people, lots of my parents and lots of friends and family and other players. Um, there's so many, you know, when I hang up my boots, I have to write a list but um, so many people who I haven't mentioned, like there's so many but you know, if I was to give credit, I'll credit it has to you
0: You'll have to a book, Lindsay, because no, there's, no one is ever to do what you've done in so many different sports. It's actually just not possible to to do that now in the current environment that we're in and just how much commitment has increased over the last decade or so. Just, it just won't be done. So you will definitely be somebody who has a unique story to tell. So you've had loads of successes as well, Lindsay. What, what's been your greatest one, do you think? And it doesn't have to be something that happened on the pitch.
1: Uh, probably, you know, getting married and, and my son, you know, that's definitely one of my successes. You know, he's an absolutely gorgeous, happy little boy and um, it's so lovely to see him. My kick has shouting in the stands and I got to lead him out as a mascot pick for Leinster against Connacht in the finals, which is the last one we were able to go. He's come to many Ireland matches and travelled away with my wife and um, yeah my biggest you know i've had so many successes but to be a parent and to see the you know i've spoken about impact and impact of others like i i have such responsibility and, and such love right like, <laughs> such love for you know you go on about this toughness and this resilience and i could probably you know take a clock to the head and have stitches and break the leg but i think you know no little person can you know, reach me to tears like he can you know and it's it's lovely for those moments and i was on the phone he's telling me about the Alwe case today and the and just energy and all the love he has and the excitement to see him and yeah he's been he's been better.
0: It's great that he got to share those moments with you and you with him as well. It's really lovely. And what about performances? So when you think of When you think of the athlete that you always wanted to be and what you wanted to achieve, a lot of people talk about the flow state and, and, you know, just being in the moment and enjoying it so much and just having a great time doing the thing you love. Is there a performance that will always stand out to you or that will define everything that you're about?
1: Yes, I think um, there's so many, like, amazing moments I've had. There really has... um, but probably the turning point in the moment I probably realized that sport is so enjoyable when we're, we're relaxed, and I think again, like listen to a lot of the podcasts, you've done itself so when we listen to other athletes saying the same. Um, we'd gone through so many heartaches with, with Mercy not being able to go over the line for the national cup, which is obviously one of the most coveted trophies in the basketball calendar. And all the great teams have won the cup, you know, Neptune, Leicester, um. Wildcats, Talca Rovers, West Coast Cooler Meteors, like you could, the list is endless and all the big teams I watched growing up, you know, the Angie McNally's and as I said, the Sazama boys the Yaskels, you know, the Katrina White's, um, again, yeah, list is endless of the amount of talent in this country, but, um, so anyway, as you know, this want and this competitiveness to win this, you know, we couldn't get over the semi-final state with Glamour They just got us time and time again in one particular game. i say it was fantastic for the spectators, but we went into double overtime and eventually lost by a point to Glamour and I was blown. Anyway, we eventually got to the final in 2009, our first final. And Marky say to me, do you know what? When Lindsay Peaks in the good mood, the team's in the good mood. And I thought that was an unfair actually um, responsible. What I mean. But I used to be so if I, I thought to myself, right, if I'm so focused and so intense with this warm-up and no one's ever smiling, no one's leveling. You have to be concentrating your leg. Sure, everyone was so, you know, so anxious about making a mistake because I was so intense. I'd say they were absolutely scared shitless to do anything, including myself, you know, the fear of losing, which it's actually on your head like it's just like so what you lose a game but it takes that time of losing to kind of get accustomed to it so I say Jeez, I've been here before and like losing not that bad to get over into the final and 2009 I was captain first final I think I had 16 points and I got the MVP it was one of the most enjoyable games remember on the nice backdoor pass to Sarah Woods Claire all this marking me um couple of three-pointers I remember I think uh, Lee McKay was commentating on a given me to our bit of a shoulder now if Lee to and me, have a history I remember really throwing me off my game and we got, you know slapping me in the face you know I don't know what she was saying to me but oh, she sent me bananas so <laughs> definitely was in my calm state I remember I think it was that one two free throws uh, we had the Glamour fell trouble and I really just managed the game and I was calm and we enjoyed it I remember getting rebounds and just enjoying every minute of it. it didn't matter now I only mention MVP because it was the icing on the absolute cake (laughs) (laughs) and my I enjoyed as I said I played every shot I played every pass every defensive moment every rebound every free throw and then to lift that trophy for the club my club the only one of two clubs I've only ever played for uh, to lift up the first national trophy on behalf of DC Mercy's captain was the pinnacle and it was the most enjoyable. And it was one of the most successful years. And as it was that year, I went on to play with Dublin and Ireland in the same summer, and it was just madness, you know, it was the start to it. And yeah, we won it again in 2010. And and probably Suzanne, who I said, Suzanne went to Fordham, she went Lemer Howard, not many players, Irish players went there. Suzanne was. Incredibly talented, she still is. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got MVP that year. It was kind of we played Glamour again, and to win it back to back was just unbelievable. You know, it, easy to say now, but well, very hard to do when you're at that pinnacle level. Everyone's trying to knock you off your perch.
0: Definitely. So, Lindsay, this is a hard one now, and, and people always struggle with it. That's why I like asking it. Uh What will be your legacy? Do you think?
1: Um, I suppose, like Martina de battle over that I was just that competitive athlete that never was afraid to be herself and I never went by you know you're often when we were growing up you know if you were playing sports or you were wearing what I thought was cool comfortable clothes you were a tomboy and you know oh you were good for a girl like all these kind of I don't know Limiting opinions that were put on here by God knows who. Um, yeah, that I just didn't really abide by the rules, probably on either side of it, but didn't abide by the rules of life. That I just, for my love of sport, went trying to find new challenges and new heights and bring an experience come on and just, yeah the girlie never, as well as it's cliche, it was, it was a nice thing that was involved in with the kind of campaign the girl never stopped competing and, and that really was it because if I did, if I did adhere to all the things I was meant to do um, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today um, and yeah just, yeah, I so said the sports fanatic, that wasn't afraid to chase for dreams.
0: And you're not done yet Lindsay Pete, so what's next?
1: Um, to be honest, I'm just happy enough to hopefully try and get back on a pitch for the qualifiers for the World Cup. That would be my goal right now. And as I said to you, I don't want to be that player who's hanging on for the wrong reasons. You know, if I'm still enjoying it, that's the main thing I've learned. You know, that you're enjoying it. That and that probably, as I said, coming back, looking back at six nations this year. Did I enjoy it because I didn't feel I played well or did I not enjoy it because, you know, I came to, I maybe was a little bit overtrained. And that's no one's fault. It was as I said, it was the year we had and the impact of COVID. Um so yeah, just trying to find that not the drive, but just that and that um push to know that we're going to be back in the pitch for qualifiers and and have that, you know, goals for, for something to work for. But for now, it's a short term goal, mate. don't put any pressure <laughs> on in Jersey, in a hopefully starting spot in a world with qualifier. And I'll be very happy with the knowledge that Ireland are part of 12 teams going to New Zealand in 2022. That's, you know, that's the goal for now. And we'll leave that at that.
0: <laughs> well, if anybody can achieve the goals that they set, Lindsay, you can. and I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I loved every single minute of it and I have loved following your career. I think I've told you before, you were one of the first people I ever interviewed when I started out back in 2010 and I have enjoyed watching your career so much over the last decade. So thank you. And thank you everybody for watching, listening as well. And please do like, subscribe and leave a review.